Good morning. Oh, good morning. Well, thank you. So how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good. Just fine. Can I get you anything else? You know what? Uh, this will be just fine. You know, I think I'm just gonna stay here for a little bit and read, if that's all right. Uh, sure. But you know, um, truth is, since we have our free Wi-Fi in this coffee shop, there are probably some customers we should charge rent to, but you're not one of them, you're good. Yeah, I hope that's not me. No, no, you're fine. Hey, um, reading anything good there? Well, actually, uh, I am. It's, uh, it's, it's called The Good Book. Um, okay. It's the Bible. Have, have, you ever, have you ever read it? Well, I've opened it up, but I haven't actually read it, read it, if you know what I mean. Not that I have anything against it, but um, a couple years ago I tried to read it, but it just sounded more like something from a Shakespeare book. Yeah, well, you know what? I bet you were reading the King James Version. It's, it's a great version, but it... it it kind of sounds Shakespearean. It doesn't really sound like we talk like we talk now. You know, it's got the these and the thous and all of that sort of thing. But what's really cool is they uh, they have a, a bunch of different types of versions of the Bible, so that that even people like me can read them. Uh, maybe you know, maybe I ought to get one of those at some point. Well, now that you say something about that, I, I frequently see people coming in here. Um, with their Bibles, maybe two or three of them together, and they sit and talk for a while and read their Bibles, and I often overhear what they say. Yeah, you, you know what? They're probably having a Bible study. Thanks. And so what people will do, they'll get together like once a week or once or twice a month, and coffee shops, like the, our, our church, the church that I attend, um, some way, in some ways we call them growth groups. And so people meet all over the community. Um, you know, sometimes they even meet at like a ball field or something. But what they're doing is they're getting together and they're reading this book and they're looking at the words on the pages of this book. And, you know, they believe that it applies to their life even here. And it's 2017 now. In 2017. Wow. Well, you know, I've heard that, um, I've heard some writers actually make stuff up to make it fit, to make it make sense. I'm sorry, I, uh, I've heard that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard that too. And, you know, it, it's usually people just kind of trying to take shots at the Bible. Here's the thing. Um, you know, archaeology. Archaeologists often use the Bible actually to figure out what they're finding and what they're discovering. And so they'll go back to the Bible to figure out something about ancient humanity and, and these peoples that live there. Over and over again, archaeologists um, keep proving different parts of the Bible to be true. There really has not been any significant find whatsoever that has disproved it. On the other hand, um, more and more finds are showing the truth of the Bible. You see, the Bible, it doesn't really read like a lie. Um, you know... Have a okay. So the the Bible. This is this is this is the thing here. Let me let me tell you about it, and then we're going to get to all of that. Okay. okay. Um. This this book. It's 
it's a lot of books. All right, it's, it's one book, but it's a lot of books. You have, you have 27 books in the New Testament. So this part of the Bible right here, uh, about this part right here, you have 27 books in the New Testament. And then the front part of the Bible, you have 30, I think it's, it's 39 books. And so together you have um, 66 books of the Bible. And they all make up this one book, written over a period of 1,500 years uh, by 40 different authors. And so let's say, let's say hey, you, um, you got, let's just say you got 40 different people together now. And you had them write on religion or politics or God or, you know, maybe even, maybe even football. Football. Go Browns! Who <laughs> uh, day? Right? Uh, you know, I'm a Bengals fan. Now, oh. here's the cool thing. We, we, we had this in common. Um, there's always next year, right? Oh, Ouch. Yeah. Um, so, you're, but you're proving my point here. Everybody is, everybody's different. And, and yet, there are even Steelers fans. Everybody's different. They come at life from all different perspectives and vantage points, and yet in the Bible, in the Old and New Testament, they all have this one common theme: uh, Jesus. You see, the Old Testament um, it basically says that, that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and then the the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels. Um, they say that, that Jesus has come, that he's here. And then the rest of the Bible is basically telling us that Jesus is coming again. Um, are you okay to sit down here? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm good. You know, um, I wouldn't want to, to get you in trouble or fire or anything. I'll tell you. You're safe. Can I tell you a secret? Sure. I, I actually own this shop and, and five others. Wow! You're the Java Queen! I am the one and only. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, probably just blew your cover. That's it. <laughs> it's so good to meet you. I'm Josh. Debbie. It's so good to meet you. I would have, if I had known that you were the Java Queen, I would have treated you with so much more respect. <laughs> You're royalty. Oh, sure. I, mean, I follow you on Twitter. Yes, yeah, so this, this is incredible. I've always wanted to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my. Uh, my wife is going to be so excited. Yeah. I, we, uh, one of the things that we do, we love to come here. Mm -hmm. um, we collect the coupons, and so, you know, I try to go to one of your locations all the time because, yeah. So, you know, can, can I ask you something? Else? Sure. Why would a, somebody who owns uh, six of these places, why would they be, you know, cleaning up the tables and, and serving the coffee? And I think I saw you a month before earlier. Well, the truth is, um, Josh is it? Josh? Yeah. Uh, I like to work on the floor with the staff because it allows me to appreciate the challenges that they face, um, the obstacles like nasty customers or machines that are breaking down. That happens frequently. And uh, the truth is, I, I just think it sets a good example. So. Wow. Yeah, I bet. You know, I, I bet those you work with or those who work for you. Um, I bet they're honored 
and encouraged by your humility. I, I, I don't know about that, but they probably do get a kick out of seeing me push a broom around now and then. So. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do. Um, so back to the back to the Bible here, uh, the New Testament. And so the, the first four books of the New Testament, um, they're called the Gospels. The, the good news is a way to translate that. Um, and so let's say four of the Java Queen's friends um, got together. Maybe it was somebody uh, she had lived with in college, a best friend she had grown up with, um, somebody she had played sports with, and, and a neighbor, and they all tried they all decided to write a biography about the Java Queen and about her life. And so they get together and they write from all these different vantage points of knowing the Java Queen. Well, that's, uh, that's what the Gospels are like. Hmm. Well, I have heard, though, that you know, when they write these things, they just make things up to make it sound better. Yeah, you know, and, and kind of like I was, I was saying earlier, you know, okay. some people sometimes they're they're just out to to take shots at the Bible, but archaeology shows that that's not true. And well, have you, you you've heard of Easter, right? It's a pretty popular holiday. Easter story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Easter. Um, let me let me put it this way. Um, so the Bible doesn't read like a lie. So Jesus was a real person, right? We can agree on that. And Jesus lived just like you and I did. He died a death on a cross. And Easter is all about Jesus rising from the dead, him rising from the grave. And, and what's incredible is that the biblical story has a woman showing up to see this and experience this for the first time. And then she is going back and, and telling everybody that Jesus has risen from the grave. Now... If, if you were going to make up a story about that, you wouldn't have written that a woman would have seen this first and been the person to report about it first. Uh, you see, a woman's testimony just wouldn't have been as, as credible. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> see, you're saying that a man's testimony is more trustworthy than a woman's? <sighs> we're friends. Um, I'd like to come back if I can. Um, I know, I personally have not said this, but um, in the first century, people believed this and were saying this. In fact, um, a woman's testimony wasn't even admissible in a court of law. Um, and so my, my point here is that if you were making up the story, uh, you wouldn't start a made-up story that you want people to believe in that way, you know, it's it doesn't read like a lie. That's that's one of the things about this book that is so incredible, and, and why it needs our attention. You see, it claims to be God's word, and so if it's if it's God's word, we need to read it in such a way and in which we try to research it and understand it. And, and one of the reasons that I believe that there's there's so much tension and scrutiny, like you were talking about, and controversy. Um, over this book is because of the claims that it makes about itself. Um, can I read some of it to you? Sure, sure. You mind if I take some notes? Oh, no, that would that'd be great. I'm, I'm not used to that. <laughs> um, and so, 
First, or excuse me, Second Timothy uh, three sixteen. Let me let me find it here. It's in the New Testament, and uh, Timothy writes two books. He writes his first, or excuse me, Paul writes two books to Timothy, um, and the first one is First Timothy. The second one, Second Timothy, makes a lot of sense, right? Um, so First Timothy or Second Timothy three sixteen. Here's what it says. It says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction and training in righteousness. And then let me read 1 Thessalonians 2.13. So go back to the left a few pages here. 2, chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And so here, what you see, you see the Bible making this incredible claim about itself, that it's, it's the Word of God. And, and I, I believe that's one of the reasons that people have tried to get rid of it, they've tried to ban it, they've scoffed at it, they ridicule at it. But what's really, really incredible is that it just, it, it won't go away, and it just keeps going, coming back. So what you're saying is the Bible just keeps hanging around? Um, yeah, that's one way to put it. You know, it's got it's got staying power, right? Um, let me First Peter one twenty three and twenty five. I really like this book. So Peter, uh, he was one of Jesus's best friends. Jesus had seemed to have like three best friends, and and Peter was one of them. And this is what Peter says in First uh, Peter twenty three. Um, he says, "Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but an imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God." For all flesh is like grass in all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Okay. And so what we see Peter doing here is he's making these claims that the Bible is living, that it's enduring, and that it's, it's God's word. And so um, one of the really cool things is that whether you're reading uh, a hard copy like I am here, um, or you know maybe you've got the U version uh, app on your phone or on your tablet, or if you go to a museum and, and see the scrolls, uh, what you're doing when you're reading those words uh, from the Bible, you're you're always reading God's word, and we're promised that this is going to last forever, that it's, it's not going to wait, wait, it's going to stick around. It's got the staying power like you talked about. And, uh, I'm sorry, it probably sounds like I'm preaching, doesn't it? You definitely sound passionate about it, for sure. Well, you know, I, I am passionate about this book. Have you ever thought that maybe you might have missed your calling? Um, well, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but... You know, people have tried to discredit this book, mm -hmm. and they can't. They, they just can't, because it's not any, any, just any book, and it's not going away, and people can't get rid of it. Uh, you know, I like history. It was one of my favorite subjects growing up, and uh, in 303, we read about this Roman emperor called uh, Diocletian. And uh, Diocletian hated Christians. He probably hated them because they wouldn't worship him, and he thought he was God. Um, but uh, what Diocletian did is he sent his soldiers door to door and to all the sacred spaces, and they gathered up all the Bibles that they could find or anything that had any Bible verses in them or anything uh, that seemed remotely Christian, 
And they brought him back, and they had this huge bonfire. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. Um, but you know what? What? What happened? Um, he didn't get them all. And ten years later, there was a new emperor. His name was Constantine. And Constantine embraced Christianity. And one of the things that Constantine did is he commissioned 50 scribes to write 50 new copies of the Bible so that it would be preserved. Um, so, just so incredible. In fact, um, did you remember that verse that I just read out of 1 Peter? Um, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Okay, well, you know, thanks, thanks for your honesty. Um, I just read it not too long ago, um, and just once, so it would be hard to remember. But um, it, 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 here's the thing about it. It's a great one to, to remember. I actually, I try to teach it to my son. He, he'll be three here in February, and he can even remember um, part of it. So right now, what I'll tell him, I'll say, the grass withers and the flower fades, and then I try to get him to repeat this part with me. And the word of the Lord remains forever. That, that's so cool. That's so cool that you teach your kids that. Well, you know, I believe that it's important that we, we pass this sort of thing on to the next generation. Okay, well, here's a question. What's um, the biggest reason that this book is, how do you say it? God's, God's word? Yeah. Um, well, there are uh, countless reasons. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you I'll give you two. Okay. Um, the first is just logic concerning the historical work of God here. Uh, so why would why would God come to Earth, send His Son? to earth um, so that he could be known um, and live this life and die this awful death on our behalf and God planned the story of redemption out um, so that we might be in this relationship with him and know him and understand redemption and yet not write any of it down or not have a way to connect with us now to only have connected with people back then for all of us to have just been left in the dark um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for him to do that. The second is, um, uh, well, let's have some fun with it. Okay. Um, fulfilled prophecy. And so uh, let's go to 2 Peter 1.19. You remember Peter, uh, he, was, he was one of Jesus' best friends. So 2 Peter 1.19, just turn over here a couple of pages. And so verse 19, I'm going to read um, through verse... 21 here. It says, And we have this prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to, as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy, and I really like this part, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke it from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's a little confusing, huh? It is. It yeah, is. well, that's okay. You know, it took, it took me probably ten times to read this before I understood it. Um, but so prophecy, basically what it means to, to prophesy is to speak on God's behalf. 
And here, Peter, uh, he's talking about something really cool, though. He's talking about how um, people in the past have spoken on God's behalf and even been able to uh, predict the future. And so when a prophet, a prophet um, speaks on God's behalf and might speak about the future, you know, he could be speaking about something that's going to come true maybe in the next five minutes, maybe the next hour, days, years, um, or maybe thousands of years. But the point is, if God says it's going to happen, it's, it's going to happen. And so that's what Peter here is, is talking about. And are you good at math? Yes, I am. Okay, great, because I'm not. Um, never been. Um, well, let me, uh, let me give you an example, I, I guess, from math. I, I discovered this um, in the, the work of an apologist uh, called, um, his name was is Josh McDowell, and I think it was in the book um, that from, called like, Evidence Demands a Verdict, or whatever. But uh, uh, he, introduced, he introduced, introduced me to this guy, this professor named Dr. Peter Stoner. And uh, Dr. Peter Stoner was a mathematician. In fact, he was um, professor emeritus at Westmont College and the director of mathematics at Pasadena Community College. And so the dude knows math, at least a lot better than I do. And one of the things that he was interested in is Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled and coming true, becoming true in the New Testament. And so what he was trying to figure out is what are the probability of a prophet saying this and then this coming true in this one person? And so what are the odds? And so he would ask his students uh, to take a prophecy and to figure out what are the odds of it coming true. Are you following you? Yes. Okay, I'm sure you do. Um, you're good at math. Um, so he would ask, he would ask, well, what are the odds of somebody being born in Bethlehem? Uh, because in Micah 5.2, it's the prophet of, of the Old Testament that predicts that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And uh, his class quantifies this and tries to figure this out. And they said, you know, most likely a conservative estimate would be um, that the odds of somebody being born in Bethlehem in the first century would be like 1 in 350,000. And then he asked, what are the odds that somebody would be betrayed by a friend, um, more specifically for like 30 pieces of silver? And so they figured that out. I have, I have no idea how they quantified this, but they, they, they quantified that. What are the odds um, that somebody uh, would then gamble for this person's clothes and, and so forth? And they kept doing this. Long story short, uh, they did this with eight different prophecies in the Old Testament. And here's what his class discovered. Uh, for all of these eight different prophecies to come true in, in one person, it, it would, the odds or the probability of that would be 1 and 10 to the 17th power. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a big, that is a, a, a big number. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that number. In fact, I, I don't even know what it means. Um, but, thankfully, uh, Dr. Peter Stoner gives this analogy here. He says, imagine you have a silver dollar. You can tell this study was done in the 60s because I don't know. Do people ever give you silver dollars? <laughs> Rarely. Okay. Um, so he said, imagine that you have a, a silver dollar. And then imagine the state of Texas. And he said, then you fill the state of Texas up with silver dollars about two feet high. Then you grab one of those silver dollars and you put a big red X on it and you throw it in the middle of Texas. And then you get Java Queen and you put her on her private helicopter that she has and you blindfold her and you drive her around Texas 
and then you drop her off, and uh, you tell her to bend down and pick up that silver dollar with the red X on it uh, on the first try. Oh my, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and here's the thing, you know, there are estimates um, that over, there are over 3,000, or 300, excuse me, I'm exaggerating a little bit, um, there are close to 300 prophecies that predict Jesus as the Messiah. 300? Yes, it's incredible. That, that is amazing. Um, Josh, thanks for sharing that with me. That's good information. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad somebody to sit here and listen. Oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Uh -huh. Could happen to overhear. I don't mean to rain on your parade, but you do realize that most of the reliable documents that we have on the Old Testament were written hundreds of years after Jesus was actually born. So it seems pretty easy to create any type of document to make it look like anybody fulfilled prophecy. I mean, you see that, right? Yeah. So what you're what you're saying is that um, what people did is they went back and they kind of filled in these prophecies that made it look like. That Jesus was the Messiah um, after the fact. Pretty much, I mean, that seems like something humans would do. Yeah, and you know, that's a that's a really interesting point, and it, it was a really interesting conversation. I guess maybe even argument until until about 1947. Uh, you see, in in 1947, uh, a shepherd boy was out walking around uh, the Dead Sea. Uh, primarily in uh, the Qumran area. And this shepherd boy was out, and he was out throwing rocks um, in these caverns and caves, because this area is covered with caves and caverns. And one of his rocks happened to hit uh, something that sounded like pottery breaking. And so the boy went to investigate, and he saw that there was a scroll in this uh, piece of pottery. And so he went back to get his family, and what he and his family discovered was this treasure trove of pieces of pottery and scrolls stuck in them. So they got the authorities and they marked it off and they brought in um, all of these scientists and archaeologists and uh, um, professors. And they, uh, what they believe they discovered is that um, these were put there um, and hidden when people were after the people that lived in this area. Um, you see, people have always loved God's Word. And so in any time of persecution, uh, or when people were coming around and trying to destroy it, uh, people would hide it and keep it so that they would preserve it. And so the people in this area, just like when Diocletian went around and tried to gather up all the Bibles from the Christians, he didn't get them all. Um, well, this was happening at this point in time, too. And so these people hid these Jewish documents in the Old Testament in these caves. And what the... What the scientists and professors and all these people ended up discovering was that these documents predate Jesus' birth by about three to four hundred years. So, it, here's the cool thing. All of those prophecies, too, they were in those scrolls. They were in those documents. So, you know, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that he'd be betrayed by a friend, that they'd gamble for his clothes. All of those were in those scrolls. So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense anymore. And we have people throughout the ages have taken such care to make sure that they copied the Word of God the best they can. They were full-time. There were people who were, who were employed full-time as scribes. They called them scribes back then. 
just that were just gifted at copying and memorizing the Word of God so that it would be preserved? Uh, that's a good, you know, that was a really good question. Would you like to, would you like to join us? Oh, uh, no, sorry, I've got a, a large cheese pizza with my name on it. I really should do Thank you. Right, well, you're welcome. Maybe, uh, maybe next time. I'm sorry, Josh, but I was starting to take his side. All right. You know, that's okay, Daddy. Um, he's not a bad person. I mean, he's probably just repeating what he heard. Maybe, uh, maybe one of his professors told him this. Maybe he was watching the Discovery Channel or the History Channel. And, you know, they they like. The, the point is, is that you need to make sure that you are examining this book for yourself and the information for yourself. You see, just too much, too much is at stake not to. Okay, let, let me ask you this. Um, I think it was around this time last year. It was around Christmas time. Do you remember that video that came out where, uh, I think they were Christians, 21, 21 Christians, and they were beheaded on video by ISIS. Did you see that? Yeah, um, you're talking about the guys in the orange suits. They're letting that. The guys with the black face mask on yeah, yeah. the camera out yeah. by the sea. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, how, how how could I forget that? I think it's time to jump ahead. So, here's a question for you. If if God is all powerful, why would He allow something that awful to happen? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, it happens all the time. Uh, in fact, uh, I just saw this past year, um, 2016, uh, that 90,000 Christians were killed. Um, it's the most persecuted group in the world. Um, you know, and I I don't pretend to know everything about God and answer everyone's questions. Um, but what is interesting, especially about those 21 men is that uh, all they had to do was convert uh, to Islam. All they had to do was say that they don't believe in this book and, and they could have lived. Right, exactly. So why didn't they? Why didn't they? Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't believe they could have. Um, they, just, they just couldn't. Um, you see, their, their lives depended on telling a lie. Um, but their eternal souls depended on standing for the truth. Um, one of the things that we learn um, in the Bible is that is that this world it, it isn't our home. We're just here for a, a short time, and that life goes on, and there's eternity. And you know, our life is only this long. And you know, if you think about it, I mean, in eternity, it, it just it just keeps going. Revelation. Um, have you ever heard of it? The book of Revelation? Revelation. Yeah. No. Sorry. Okay. Um, Revelation 2.10. It's the last book in the Bible, so it's um, really easy to find. Um, just go to the end of Revelation 2.10. It, it says this. It says, Behold, or excuse me, it says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Um, and then it goes on 
and says, Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Then it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You know, these people, they, they believed in a king that has created the whole world. They believed in a God who can take an awful thing, even like death, and bring about good. A God that rewards the courageous and restores, restores severed heads and is going to place a crown on their redeemed lives. Um, have, you, have you ever heard of the 23rd Psalm? No. Well, wait a minute. Is that the one that starts, uh, the, the Lord's my shepherd? Yes. It's that, so if, just in case you want to know, if you ever want to read the Psalms, um, just, you know, put your Bible together and just open it up to the middle, and nine times out of ten, you'll, you'll open it up to the Psalm. And so, yeah, the, the 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pasture. So it's a, it's a wonderful song. You do know some of the Bible. <laughs> well, but where did you hear it? Well, um, I was at a funeral of, of a friend of mine a few months ago, and uh, I heard the pastor read that at the cemetery. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, they, read, um, they read the 23rd Psalm a lot of, of funerals. In fact, they may even read it out of the King James Version. It's just really beautiful in that version. Um, and, and so like I was saying, it, it begins with the Lord is my shepherd. And so it goes on and it talks about how the Lord guides us through life and he shepherds us. Uh, and then it, it gets to this point where it says, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I've got to believe that those people that as they were being walked down the shore, um, that they were thinking about the 23rd Psalm. You see, one of the things that the Bible does is it, it teaches us how to be guided through life by God. But one of probably the most important things that the Bible does is it, it teaches us how to face death with hope and dignity as well. Okay, so... Another question. Um, if, if Jesus is God and heaven is so wonderful, why would Jesus leave heaven and come to earth? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, let me uh, answer it like this. Or why would uh, the owner of six shops like this uh, decide to work the floors with her minimum wage workers. Um, you know, Jesus wanted to walk a mile in our shoes. He wanted to set an example for us. He, uh, he is the ultimate example of humility. I mean, I was impressed by the job of me working here. I mean, can you imagine the God of the universe, the creator, being born as a child? Being born as a baby and in a stable and then being placed in a manger. I mean, this is just the ultimate act of humility. He, as a child, he may have even been bullied. Um, probably had pimples as a teenager. Thank God that I'm not at that stage. Um, you know, as an adult, 
he was homeless at times. He wasn't wealthy. He, he was betrayed by his friends. He was tempted and tried in every way that you and I have ever been tempted and tried by. And yet, the Bible says that he was without sin. He was perfect. And, and this is why I believe that also Jesus was able to die as a sacrifice for my sins and pay my debt, my ransom, that I owe God. Well, I'm really surprised to say this, but you really piqued my curiosity, and I, I'd like to know more about God. Well, that's great. Um, so if I've, if I've never read the Bible before, um, here's, uh, here's where I start. Um, you might want to write this down. Um, start in the, the Mark, the Gospel of Mark, or John. You're going to learn so much about Jesus there in, in those two Gospels. And you're going to learn a lot about God because he, he's the author. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm excited, but I'm sitting here thinking that uh, um, you're probably uh, never going to ask anybody again what they were reading. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not a problem. I wouldn't do it in a second. I, I appreciate You've taken the time to share with Well, I'm glad that you've sat down and listened and I got to spend this time with you. Um, would, uh, would you mind, are, are you going to be around tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. Okay, would you mind if I had my wife stop by and, and bring you a Bible? Sure, that'd be fine. Oh, great, you're going you're gonna to love Emily. She, uh, she helps lead the women's ministry with your friend. Maybe her friend Brittany will come too. And um, I'm sure that they'll invite you. And, you know, no pressure, but they would. Yeah, you're just you're just gonna love them. They're gonna. I'm gonna have them come by and bring you a Bible. Um, and I'm excited about this. I'm excited to be telling you about the job. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to that. So, um, how do you know so much about the Bible? How how, how do you know so much? I, I obviously you do. Um, well, uh, to be honest, I'm a Christian. Okay. And uh, I've been uh, reading this book uh, little by little, every day, over a number of period of years. And uh, it's, it's really changed my life. And here's something that, that I've come to believe. <clears throat> The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Would you pray with me? Father, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We pray, Father, that we hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. This morning, we pray for those uh, like Sean, who perhaps are curious and seeking. Father, I pray that you give us all enough intellectual integrity, though, to search out the truth for ourselves, to understand what you're doing and have done through the scriptures, to truly seek God. Father, for those who are like Debbie and uh, are curious. Might they continue to search? Might they continue to open their Bibles? Might they continue to discover who you are? 
Father, and maybe uh, for some today is the day of salvation. Some are here today because they are searching for you, and maybe you've spoken to them in some way this morning, and they want to turn their lives over to you. Father, we pray that you give them the courage to do that at this moment. We thank you for being a God who speaks to us and who calls us. And we pray we listen at this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, this morning, I just want to, as we sing these next two songs, and invite you to stand and worship with us. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a new year. I wasn't here with you last week, but it's a new year. A number of people may um, be searching for the Lord. You may be ready to make a decision to follow Him. Uh, maybe it's simply to read your Bibles. Maybe there's just something in your life that you kept as your own in 2016 that you want to give to God in 2017. And so as we sing these next songs, the first one is about just what we believe and who we are as Christians and as a church. And the second one is just about the glory and greatness of God. Let's, let's sing those together. Let's worship together. If you want me to pray with you this morning, I'm going to be right here. Um, by the way, I'm Pastor Josh. Um, if, you know, a lot of you know me, but if you want to pray with me, I'll be right here. Just come grab me and I'll pray with you. Uh, but if there's a decision to be made this morning, um, make sure you make that. Uh, and that you give that part of your life that God needs, maybe it's all of it this morning, um, to the Lord. You will not be disappointed. Let us stand and worship.